So if you would pray for them and their travels, I know they'd appreciate it. All right, you're there in Proverbs chapter 10, I hope. Um, actually, Proverbs 10 has been our jumping off point for a number of studies because what we've been doing since we started in the Proverbs in earnest. And you say, chapter 10 isn't the Proverbs in earnest. Well, actually it is. It is the first time we're told that they, they, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. It's where Solomon actually gets into, if you would, the listing of the Proverbs and now through the end of the book, we find a number of lessons for life. And rather than uh, go in a verse-by-verse -verse study, we've, probably, we've been doing more the matter of subjects. And tonight, we're going to contrast the righteous and the wicked. And we're going to see what God has to say about that. Uh, because there's a lot in the book of Proverbs about this. Remember how many verses? Last Wednesday, we introduced. Just, just took a few moments at the end of our lesson time. Uh, to introduce uh, this, this study we're going to do. So does anyone remember? I know you've slept since then, but does anyone remember how many times we see that? All right, very good, 45 times. Yes, you wrote it down. All right, very good, excellent, okay? Hey, that's good, you can cheat. It's a cheat sheet, all right? That's wonderful. I'm glad you're taking notes, and you wrote that down. 45 times you'll find righteous and wicked in the same verse uh, found in the book of Proverbs. It is interesting that only one time in the first nine chapters and then from chapter 10 on 44 different times you'll see these two contrasted in many, many different ways. We said there were three basic ideas, three different ways in which are uh, things that are brought out, seem to be brought out in the contrast. Uh, one is how they act and that's our first study and that's what uh, lesson, lesson one, all right, or part one. Uh, part two is going to be part two and three, all right? The, two, the second area or is the, the contrast is what you can expect, what the wicked can expect, what the righteous can expect from, uh, from their choice. And then the third uh, aspect, and there's not as many with this, but it did seem like there were a few verses that dealt with the long-term aspect of choices. So when a righteous, a man chooses a righteous path and continues down that path, there's some things he can expect long-term. When a man chooses a wicked path, there are some things he can expect long-term. So there's the short-term, if you would, uh, in the uh, what can you expect, and then the long-term aspect of choices that we're going to look at. And then we also said this. There's about four or five verses that give random thoughts, and we're going to kind of tie those up at the end of the lesson, uh, part two. All right? So... That's where we're at. We're going to look at the contrasts uh, or begin to look at the contrasts uh, this evening in your outline, Roman numeral one, and we'll ask God to uh, give us direction, give us help and wisdom. Let's pray together. Father, we need your help uh, this evening as we look into this uh, subject in the book of Proverbs on the righteous and the wicked. I pray that you would help us to understand uh, the importance of, our, of a right choice that uh, we would understand that we choose the direction we're going to go in life and that in those choices come consequences, help us to learn and help us to see those things. And I pray that you touch our hearts even this, this evening, that we would see the great picture and the great contrast that you give us in this book so that we might understand how vitally important it is that we make the choice to live righteously. And I ask you to stir our hearts, use this time in, in, our, in your word, for your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
A writer was explaining a, a, actually a contrast between God and the wicked in the book of Psalm 36, but it kind of actually almost seems to tie in with what we're looking at here. If you were to take the time to read it, you'd find in chapter 36 of Psalm that uh, it talks about the evil person who has no fear of God in verse 1. He flatters himself so he can't even see his own sin in verse 2. He speaks wickedly in verse 3. He plots evil day and night. And then the contrast comes starting in verse 5 of Psalm 36, where God's love and faithfulness reach the skies, and he is righteous and fair, and he keeps the world going by his power, and he protects his people, and he provides for their needs. And so here we have these, this picture in many places in the Bible that we're going to see contrasted for us in the book of Proverbs of a, a wicked people a righteous God. And actually, it's interesting if you read Psalm 36, and we're not doing that this evening, but the end of the chapter talks about righteous men, people who made the choice to walk righteously and how God works on their behalf. Now, when he was talking about that chapter, as he closed, he made this comment. He said, making the choice between the way of the wicked and the way of God uh, seems like an easy choice. You know, anyone in their right mind would choose to go with God over following the path of the wicked person described in Psalm 36. And he, asked, he says, right? And then he said, wrong. He said, unfortunately, many, many people continue to make the wrong choice. David, the writer of that psalm, did so more than once. He then said, sometimes it's a matter of my way versus God's way. That's the way it ends up in some cases. He talked about his college friend. His college friend's name was Irv, and Irv was in a position of choice. He was in his second year of preparation for the ministry when he got a job at a local place as a, as a draftsman in a drafting room. He's an outgoing, he was a fun-loving guy, and he soon became popular with those he worked with. He enjoyed their acceptance. He enjoyed their friendship, or what they, they offered him. And gradually, he found himself going deeper into their world rather than the path that he should go and the direction he should go in life. Uh, he soon began to get involved in their activities. His language changed. His, he started to even drink a little bit. And um, when it came time to make a decision about which way he was going to go, he had a choice to make. The company he was working with offered him full-time work, offered him a job, said, look, if you'll come on, he was working part-time so he could go to school at the same time he was doing these things. Uh, but uh, as he was faced with this choice, what was he going to do? He was, had to choose between, in essence, the Lord or the world, the path of the wicked man or the path of if you would, the righteous man. After a few days of struggle, he chose the Lord. He got things right with God. He straightened out his life. He changed jobs. And he went on to become a successful pastor. The preacher then said, you know, it could have gone either way. And the truth of the matter is, you and I are faced all the time with a decision about what path we're going to go. And if there's anything you learn from our time in God's word is, is I hope you'll see the contrast laid out so clearly for you that you say, I don't want that path, the wrong one. I want God's path the right way. So let's take a look now at these, at these pictures. And 
rather than, I, we, we told you there's some different ways in which uh, this is pictured. So let's begin by looking at a few verses that deal with your words. Look in chapter 10 and verse 11. The mouth of the righteous man, we learn, is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. So the first contrast he gives us in, in this picture of the righteous and the wicked man are words and the way we talk and the way we converse with people. And God says in verse 11, uh, we're gonna, we'll just put it this way. Number one, they're either helpful or hurtful. Do you see that? The mouth of the righteous man is a well of life. Now, we've already looked at these verses because we've talked about the tongue. And we've talked about the matter of our words and our speech. And that was another study. And yet, we can't ignore it because this does give us the contrast. And he says, hey, look, understand this. Wicked people talk a certain way. And righteous people talk a certain way. And it's interesting, but he doesn't say anything necessarily about, about swear words here. Because that's how we would often think, well, wicked people use bad language. They do. Righteous people use the right kind of language. But notice that the mouth of the righteous man brings life to people. It, it is. He speaks things which tend to give life, to preserve, to help, to move people forward positively. But the wicked man, he speaks words which hurt, bring violence, bring destruction to lives. Because he's not concerned about others. In, in essence, he's concerned about himself. So his words, therefore, go forth. And he doesn't care if it hurts people. He doesn't care if those words do something that destroy because violence covereth the mouth of the wicked man. So their words are either helpful or hurtful, depending on which person you happen to be. Look at verse 32. The lips of the righteous man know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. Are your words pleasing or perverse? Pleasing or perverse words. It's interesting, but if you look up the definitions of knowing what's uh, the, the lips of the righteous man, know what is acceptable, uh, and then the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. If you look those up and understand what they mean, the words pleasing and perverse actually are part of the definitions. So that the righteous man says the things that are pleasing, that are good. He knows what's profitable, what's honest, what's good, what is pleasing, and will bring delight. And those are the words he chooses to speak. Wicked people don't have concern for what's right. In fact, uh, they're words that are full of fraud, dishonesty, deceit. Now, again, I just want to bring out this, this point. The, the truth of the matter is sometimes we can follow the path of the wicked. We're not talking, again, about someone who, who curses. You may not do that at all, but sometimes, sometimes it's easy to make a choice to be deceitful. And there's a lot of that goes on in our world. And sadly, a lot of that goes on even in Christianity. And sometimes even in the ministry. Sad to say. And Christians shouldn't be that way. Look in chapter 15, if you would, in another uh, aspect, in another picture of words that are contrasted between the wicked and the righteous man. Chapter 15. And someone read verse 28 for me, if you would. Okay, I put it this way in my notes. They're either careful or caustic. 
What are your words like? Good men, righteous men, weigh their words. They think before they speak. Notice what he says. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Well, I just spoke my mind. I've heard, you know, I've heard preachers say that. Well, speaking your mind isn't always the wisest thing to do. And God tells us that we need to weigh our words. And God gives us that contrast. And some people are very careful. They take time to think through those words. And they say the right thing in a given situation. By the way, have you ever, have you ever said the wrong thing? Have you, ever, have you ever done that? I mean, we can, we can criticize some preacher who says, I just spoke my mind. Or some, some person who said, I spoke my mind. But haven't you ever done that? Open mouth, insert foot. That's how we usually describe it. You know? Just don't think. Just learn it out. And then you find out, wow, I shouldn't have said that. You know, boy, that was really, really not the wisest thing to do. And sometimes, uh, maybe even without a lot of thought, we can take the path of what God calls a wicked man in, in our words. Um, look, wicked people speak their mind. They don't care who they affect, how they might hurt people. They say whatever they want to say. They're not concerned with the impact of their words. Are you? Challenging contrast in your words. But there's a contrast also in, in the book of Proverbs with your work. Now we got to go back to chapter 10, and I know we go back and forth a little bit. Um, but go back to chapter 10 and look at verse 16 where we see, and by the way, chapter, I think it's chapters 10 and 11 have a great number of these verses about the wicked and the righteous contrasted. So we're going to spend a lot of time here, probably more in these two chapters than the rest of the book. Um, but uh, in chapter 10 and verse 16, we see about their work. And uh, someone read that please for me, if you would. So what kind of work is a righteous person going to do? He's going to do the things that lead to life. Whereas the wicked man, notice if you would in verse 16, uh, brings forth fruit that is sinful. So he brings forth sinful things. Uh, here's a good question. What do your works lead to? Are your works leading to the good and value and help and benefit of your fellow man or to the hurt? Yeah. Um, do they lead to sin? Do they lead to righteousness? The work of the wicked man, of the righteous man. Chapter 12, we'll move on because we're never going to get done unless we move uh, quickly. Chapter 12 and verse 12. The Bible says, The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. Uh, the work of a righteous man is fruitful. The work of a wicked man is self-serving. So ask yourself the question, am I self-serving or am I fruitful? Now, it, it's, this is an interesting verse. Wicked men want the net of evil men. What does that mean? The net, at least the picture seems to be, is spread to entrap an unsuspecting bird which would fly into it. Okay, why was that done? To trap, to kill. And many believe the idea then of this, this net of evil men is that 
they do what they do in order to trap. They're, they're serving themselves. This is what I want, so I'm going to do this because it's going to bring benefit to my life. It's self-centered. So the motive of the wicked man is, hey, this is best for me. I'm going to go out and get it because that's what I want. And that's what their work is all about. Righteous man's, um, his motive, what's at the center of his life is what's going to bring forth that which is beneficial. He wants to bring lasting positive fruit. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. And the righteous man brings forth those kind of, of things. Now, I know you want to argue you're not self-serving. I understand that. And I know that we would never want to put ourselves in the camp of the wicked. But sometimes we can make decisions in our, in our work, in our life, not on what's most beneficial and going to bring forth fruit, but sometimes what's going to best serve me. And if that message wasn't needed, God wouldn't condemn pride so often, not only in the book of Proverbs, but throughout the entire Bible. And so, Christian, is your, are your actions, are your activities that which is fruitful and going to be beneficial and best for all? Or are your actions more like, well, you know what? I deserve this. Hey, I, I know. So, I, I may be taking advantage of this situation, but, but I deserve it. Oh, you know, people are fed that today. You, you deserve all that's coming your way. Well, maybe you do. <clears throat> Depends on what's coming your way. You know? Hey, let me tell you this. Following your heart is not a sensible way to live because your heart is selfish. It's deceitful and desperately wicked. Someone warned, he said, our culture's preoccupation with self can infiltrate our thinking and sabotage our spiritual growth. And a lot of times we want to justify ourselves and say, well, look, I, I, I deserve this. I, I need to look, look at number one a little bit. But God says that that's how wicked people live. It's all about what will get me an advantage. How can I take advantage of this situation and make it good for me? And righteous people are saying, what's going to benefit everyone? The best, what's right? Look in chapter 13 and verse 5. Someone read that, please. Here you go. I... This is a great one. Uh, uh, the work of a righteous man is honest. The work of a wicked man is odious. You say, uh, okay, I'm going to say it. Wicked people smell bad. Let me explain. <clears throat> I'm not saying evil people send forth some sort of odor. <clears throat> or we'd be able to avoid them. <laughs> Man, do you stink? Okay, that, I mean, I understand. That's not, where, that's not the point. But the word for loathsome literally means to smell bad. And the idea is that their actions are distasteful, they're abhorrent, they, they stink. 
and their actions do such that kind of make your you shake your head in dismay or oh man that's so bad can't believe it. I, I've been saying that about just about every decision coming out of Washington over the last what year now almost it, it seems like that um, just distasteful abhorrent they do things that make you if you would angry and it's no wonder if you look at this verse that they come to shame because they do the things that are distasteful they, it stinks it's the way God described it. And may we then um, do the things that are honest, that are right, that are just, upright, true. And then we find that one more thing about their work, and this is probably where we'll leave off. In chapter 12 and verse 10, it says, and, and this is a, a, an interesting way, but a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Their works are merciful or cruel. Um, someone interpreted this clause this way. The very kindnesses of the wicked being treacherous are a cruel cheat. Nay, the highest expressions which they make of tenderness and compassion, whereby they induce others to repose a trust in them, are intended merely as a cover for mischief which they mean more securely to do to those people. When a righteous man goes about his work, he's merciful, he's considerate of all things, even animals. When the wicked does his business, he may act like he's showing compassion, but it's all about taking advantage. Have you ever met someone who oozed with compassionate words, but it was clear it was all a ruse to get what they wanted? Because it was, it was to move ahead. So they'll, they'll talk real nice to the boss. You know, because, hey, that's the way to step up the ladder. That's the way to take advantage of people. That's the way to get what I want to get. And they're cruel. They may even use compassion words. It may sound great, like, oh, man, do I, you are my best friend. Until, well, <clears throat> until they turn and talk to someone else, then you're not their best friend any longer. Um, so merciful or cruel, this contrast is given. A righteous man he regards even the life of his beast, and in his work, he's compassionate and concerned about, about even other things. But the tender mercies of the wicked, it's all about taking advantage of others. Um, and again, I say this. These are things where we look and say, well, I'm good. Okay? But in the individual events of life, sometimes we can make choices that are wrong. And we need to remember that there are times we can act like the wicked. And that's not the right choice to make. And I'm thankful that God took time in the book of Proverbs to just lay out for us in so many different ways an understanding of how the righteous and the wicked act. And I do challenge you, if you haven't yet done it, I challenged you last week to do this, to look in a concordance, look for the verses in the book of Proverbs and start to read them through. Those 45 verses would be a good Bible study on your own to consider and say, hey, look, what is my life like? What are my actions like? And as you make choices this week, remember this. Uh, the righteous man acts in a certain way. Wicked man acts in a certain way. Which one do you want to be known as? And what would God say of your actions this past week?
challenging, isn't it? It is to me. Because I know in, in the individual choices of life, no, I, I don't think anyone in this room, I wouldn't say anyone is on that path of the wicked all the time. But I do know this. I do know that sometimes it's easy to make decisions because it's best for me. I know at times it's easy to use words that might hurt and harm others rather than that which is good. And so this study is important for us to see the contrast God gives. And when we have opportunity in our next part two to look at the results and what we can expect, it will encourage you, I think, even more to make the decision, hey, I want to make sure my actions are righteous. Because God indeed rewards the righteous, and God also punishes the wicked. Because, here's the main truth that we learn in the book of Proverbs about this, whatsoever a man soweth about the righteous and wicked, that shall he also reap. You make a choice about what you do, and may it be the right choice each and every day. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for uh, the chance in the book of Proverbs to study different subjects. And I'm thankful for this one. It's been a reminder to me about the importance of my individual choices in daily life. And I pray that you would help me and that you'd help your people to understand that we make choices about the direction we're going to go in life, that those choices have consequences. And may we May our life reflect the life of a righteous man. May we have the characteristics of those who live well-pleasing to our Lord and Savior. And may we never choose the path of the wicked. And I'll thank you for how you'll help us in that matter in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you make righteous choices. You're dismissed.